The Start. On Demand. demand. Hey, it's Brat, Mackling, and McGarry back together again. He's back from Chicago, and we'll be together for four days before I flee for Minnesota. Today, on the Tuesday podcast for 680 CJOB's morning show, we're going to have coffee and talk about refusing to pay for a service. Woman in Chilliwack goes to a nail salon, is unhappy with the work that she got, refuses to pay, and they lock her inside the shop and restrain her. Pretty scary footage, so we'll talk about that. Also, extreme heat coming this week. We'll speak with the senior climatologist for Environment Canada, David Phillips. My gosh, it's going to be a hot one. The tornado in Alonza that claimed the life of a 77-year-old man. We will speak with Global News reporter Nikki Judy, who toured the area. As well, we will speak with the Reeve of the RM of Alonza, Stan Asham, and find out what still needs to be done. And we'll check in with the St. Norbert Farmer's Market, because they are doing something cool this week called the Farmer's Festival, where if you've ever wanted to know how to make chain mail, they're going to teach you how to do it. Footage on this is pretty incredible. It involves a disagreement between a customer and staff at a Chilliwack nail salon, which escalated to the point where the customer was locked inside the store until police arrived. Here's Global's Ted Chernecki. You can fix my nail or I'm not these are god-awful ugly from the category is this really necessary they're all different lengths look at this one compared to this one a dispute over the quality of a manicure spiraled out of control in Chilliwack there were punches thrown scratching and screaming do not touch me the salon owner locking all the doors until the customer paid the full $76, and not half, as she offered. I will pay you 50%, but I have to go get these redone. And then I called the bullet right away, and then the bullet say, okay, everything done in the side. Don't go let her go outside. Because... Uh, the police said... Yeah, bullet say, yeah, hold her in. And video wars. Staff inside the salon recording while the customer calls her stepfather, who arrives with a family friend, They're beating her up. to record their own version. I am the cops are on their way. She was just saying, Help me, help me, and just in the total distress. And she just wanted out of there. Banging on the window. My, my friend Fred was banging on the window, kicking the door, trying to get in, and videotaping the whole thing. And, and uh, they, just, they wouldn't let her out. They wouldn't let her out. Open the door. While the owner claims police told her to lock the doors, consumer rights advocates say a business has no right to lock anyone inside. And the complainant had every right to refuse to pay if she honestly believed the service was inadequate. You liar! And if you've got something that you don't like, you, uh, you're pretty stupid if you just take it and uh, be quiet and walk, walk away from it. But cooler heads needed to prevail. The customer was not obligated to pay, but she needed to leave contact information so the business could take legal action. Why would you spend $10,000 chasing 200 Or in this case, spend thousands to chase $38. Financially, that's all this was about. Ted Schneck, Global News.
Yeah, of course, this woman agreed to pay half of the $76. The nails were god-awful. When you see the, they were crooked, they were not done properly in any way, shape, and form, or form. But when you see them confining this woman to this store, that's horrifying. Yeah. I, I've been in a situation as a server where uh, a, a credit card came up stolen, and this was, you know, the days when you had to look through the book. Visa would, do you remember this? Yeah. Would send out the book and you'd have to go, oh, yeah, this one isn't there. And then you phone them. And so, of course, it took forever. We had to phone. They asked us to phone police, et cetera. But you can't restrain people. You just, you can do your best to keep them in place until authorities arrive. But you can't physically restrain them from leaving, that's going to be a way bigger case than just over the 76 bucks over the nails. That's uh, that, that looks like some criminal stuff going on there. We wanted to talk about uh, build off this nail story. And have you ever refused to pay a fee for a service you've re- refused or received rather if you refused to pay? Have you ever done that? Um, I have not refused to pay, but I, I refused a tip. And I'll get into that in a moment. Uh, this has to do with a conversation that we just told you about. This story out of Chilliwack disputed a nail salon, got a little out of hand. Client unhappy with her nails. She refused to pay. So an employee at the nail salon locked the door and keeping the customer inside. So we're going to have coffee and talk about how have you ever refused to pay for a service because you felt it was not satisfactory. Or maybe you've gotten into a dispute with a store clerk. Jeff, you're kind of a, you know, a cantankerous fellow at times, oh, like, no. like I am. And uh, have you ever gotten into it? Never. I would never do that. No? I, I'm not confrontational at all. I would, uh, I have expressed my dismay at the service and uh, received a discount, but that's about it. And mostly I just leave and badmouth them and never go back. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, <laughs> How about you Kelly? Uh, I, I was trying to remember specifics, uh, and I couldn't come up with anything that way. I know there must have been uh, something along the way, but when we had sold our uh, house in uh, B.C., uh, the lady that bought it uh, needed a downstairs shower replaced. So I was dealing remotely uh, with a tradesperson, and I, you know, I'd gone to places like uh, Home Depot and Rona, etc. Found the model that I thought was closest to what was there, and said, "Go ahead and do that." Well, next thing I know, he and the person who bought the house decided they were going to install the Binford Two Thousand of, <laughs> of downstairs showers, and he presents me a bill for twice as much as what we'd agreed upon. So I said, "Hey." Yeah, I have all the documentation of the uh, emails that we exchanged back and forth. So I said, I'm paying you what I agreed to pay. You either get it from her or you're going to have to swallow that yourself. Good for you. Yeah, I never heard back from him. So I'm presuming that uh, he uh, either got the money from her or that was a, a costly lesson. Channel E? Uh, not really. I don't generally like making a scene in public, even if I'm not terribly happy with the service, which is why I'm very careful with who cuts my hair. Um, <laughs> but that being said, there was one instance where I was at a very popular thrift store chain and uh, something was posted uh, for a certain price. When I went to pay for it, they gave me a different price. 
And so I spoke with the manager, and the manager gave me this story, and and it wasn't it was it wasn't really much difference, but it was more about the principal, and mm-hmm. so I kind of got in with it with the manager and said, well, this is the price posted. I want it for this price, and he's like, well, this 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 item is better than than the other items, and blah blah blah. And you should you should pay more, and so I yeah, so I kind of threw a bit of a fit. And stormed out. Basically tried to tell you you should be happy to pay more, right? Flipped it around on you. Good for standing your ground. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do that. Yeah. I'm going around in my head trying to figure out which story I should tell. Because <laughs> 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 I've got a few to choose from. Uh, because I don't accept I don't accept subpar service, and I don't like rules that are ridiculous when there's no common sense. Like uh, last year. One of our fridges broke down. We've got one uh, in our garage and and one in our kitchen. And uh, one of them became unplugged or it got reset or, you know, this new fancy technology. Really? When the power comes back on, doesn't the fridge come back on? No, you've got to reset it. And anyway, long story short, some of the food spoiled. So I had a garbage bag, one garbage bag of food from... My refrigerator. Well, we were making a trip. We live in North Kildona. We were making a trip to the south end of the city. Ah, we'll just put it in the back of the truck. We'll drop it off at Brady Road. No big deal. 20 bucks to drop one bag of garbage. I said, mm-hmm. I understand that's the minimum, but do you understand what's going on? Yep. Can I talk to him? Nope. I was furious that they that they you know that just you you couldn't make an exception for an obvious he does it situation. For you, he's got to do it for everybody. Yeah. No, then he the doesn't. Line, then the lineup never. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> just makes the lineup longer. And that's the whole point. Anyway, I paid up. the twenty. I paid the twenty and I moved on. But there have been lots of times where I've kind of you know. I think that's why you often see a bag of trash at the side of the road <laughs> on the perimeter right by Brady. You could be right. I would never bucks. do that. I would never protest that way. But, Brett, how have you protested? Uh, there was a time, I want to say probably 15 years ago, I went to Elephant and Castle with a buddy of mine, and I wasn't drinking beer at the time. Uh, I hadn't picked it. Because the first time I ever drank was beer, and I had a bad reaction, so it took me many years to re refriend beer. So uh, I was drinking Smirnoff Ice, which is a, a very sugary, cooler drink. And it's certainly not a, a masculine drink, I guess, at the time. You know, 15 <laughs> years ago was the kind of thing that you would be mocked for drinking. So our server, you know, made a playful joke, uh, something along those lines. And I thought, oh, ho, 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 I've never heard that before. And then when I asked for my second one, she said, so do you want uh, want me to put a little umbrella in that? Uh-oh. And I said, okay, ha, hi, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. It's not a, it's not a, a man's drink. And then when I got my third one, she made some other smart act, smart aleck comment, and um, I just kind of, I didn't say anything, I just went stone-faced. And she knew that she'd lost me as far as a tip goes. But I, I, not, I not only did I not tip her, I wrote her a little note and saying, one joke, I get it, ha-ha. Uh, Second joke, we- you're pushing it. Third joke, no tip for you! <laughs> but then my friend ruined it all because he wanted to, to go home with a hostess, so he ended up leaving a tip on the table anyway. <laughs> Along with his phone number. <laughs> he failed, by the way, but he still, he, so he ruined everything for me. So you can text us, 204-780-6868, if you have any stories along those lines. 
And thank you very much, Jeff Brown. I've never Brown. heard that one before. Really? Yeah, I'm glad you, you held did that you, out of your you, repertoire. That's did you good. give him the umbrella as a consolation prize? I didn't get an umbrella, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, otherwise it would have gone somewhere painful, I'm sure. <laughs> You'll want to make sure you have a means to keep cool over the next few days because the forecast is heating up. Environment Canada has issued a special weather statement for Winnipeg saying that a prolonged period of extreme heat is possible starting tomorrow. That means we could see temperatures hit 30 or above. So to tell us more about how long this heat wave could last, we're joined live on 680 CJOB by... David Phillips, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada. Jeff Forti, I'm having some troubles bringing Dave on, so can you bring him on for us? Thank you very much. David Phillips, good morning to you, sir. Good morning, guys. How are you? Well, I'm well. I'm uh, like all Canadians. We're, we're dealing with the heat yesterday, guys. You know, I, I, nine out of the ten provinces had heat warnings out. The only one that didn't was Manitoba. And we had a special weather statement out for that. And it looked scarier than the heat warnings because it said a prolonged period of extreme heat uh, uh, coming this week. So, uh, hey, you guys have not been left out in the cold at all. It's, uh, it looks like a, a hot one from, from coast to coast. Well, uh, David, I spent some time in Calgary once upon a time, and uh, they get winter in the middle of summer there sometimes. <laughs> You're right. I mean, they brag about the fact that it's the only city in Canada that had snow in every month of the year, but uh, but they've, they've been getting it hot, too. I don't know where you were there uh, this year, but they've been getting temperatures. It's rare to find a temperature above 30, and uh, and they've been getting uh, quite a few, and, and hey, are into that situation today, but... Uh, but, you know, it's been just a summer of summers. I mean, I've counted the number of days in Winnipeg above 30, not even counting this week. But up to this day, uh, there have been 17 days where the uh, temperature's been above 30. And some of those have been up to, you know, uh, 34, uh, 34 degrees. I mean, it was last year. I think there were only about uh, uh, seven of those suckers uh, all all summer. So, hey, it's been uh, clearly uh, a hot one for, for you guys, for sure, like everybody. Now, with the heat that is coming, uh, are we, should we expect a lot of humidity with that as well? Well, it's a good point, you know, and, you know, it, it often we would talk about if it was in British Columbia and Alberta, maybe western Saskatchewan, we'd say, well, no, it's just going to be, it's just the heat, it's not the humidity. But in because Manitoba is the center part of the country, I mean, you draw up some of that moisture from the uh, Gulf of Mexico, you also, your crops are, are probably beyond the peak of growing feverishly, so there's usually some local sources of that. But I would dare say that, um, that it's not desert air that's going to be your coming your way. It's going to be uh, American air that has a tinge of humidity to it. So not only will it be those temperatures that are getting above 30, and uh, my gosh, even up to 34, uh, which could be, you know, about 8 degrees, 9 degrees warmer than it should be for this time of year, there will be some humidity uh, aspect to it. And it won't even cool off so so much at night. I mean, it's the beauty of the Manitoba nights is the fact that you get temperatures at night cooling off to 12, 13 degrees and in, in, even in heat waves but we'll see elevated temperatures of 16 17 degrees at night so it'll make 
a little bit uh, uncomfortable. But I look at this whole seven days, and there's not a cloud in the sky that I see from our little icons there, and uh, temperatures that, uh, and that's the other thing, it's the persistence of it. We could go seven days with having temperatures above 30, and, uh, and, uh, and, and that's, that, that's a prolongedness of that, which makes it somewhat unusual. Yeah, it seems a little kooky. We'll take it, though. Uh, not everybody loves the heat. I'm someone that, that does like it and, and uh, really in, enjoys uh, this part of summer. And, and the, you know, the, the overwhelming heat is nice because uh, I, li- I like to force my kids into the non-heated swimming pool. Hey, uh, David, uh, some people with the Alonza tornado, we've been talking about that uh, oh. to a great extent over the weekend and certainly this morning. Any elevated risk, you know, obviously without clouds in the sky, tough for thunderstorms to develop, but do we have to be aware of the possibility of perhaps some things kicking up uh, over the next few days. Yeah, I, I don't see any wild weather at all. I mean, uh, these things can change overnight, but uh, certainly, wow, people are talking about it. Even in the United States, you know, guys, I saw uh, my first news clip of seeing the tornado was on the national news in the United States. I mean, they've been a, it's been a quiet year for, for them, and uh, but, but this one in Manitoba is just gathering all of the attention, and uh, for good reason. I mean, the most powerful tornado this year in North America, well, the world, you could say, because, hey, that's uh, we're we're in second place in terms of number of tornadoes compared to the states, and so uh, it it was clearly um, a big one. And and category four, come on, I haven't seen one of those. I mean, uh, since the was it the Eli tornado? Eli tornado back in uh, that was the category five back in twenty uh, two thousand and seven. So hey, it's been a, a real rock and rolling kind of a, of a Friday uh, on the uh, in Manitoba, and um, but I don't see any on the horizon. It looks like it's just going to be hot and and, and humid at times. David Phillips, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada, thank you so much for the access. As always, we very much appreciate it. You're welcome, guys. Bye-bye now. Global News reporter Nikki Judy, who's been following this story, which has seen Environment and Climate Change Canada rate this past weekend's deadly tornado. They've upgraded it to an EF4. 77-year-old man was killed after the twister touchdown near Alonza on Friday. Two people were hospitalized, uh, but they've since been released. So Global News reporter Nikki Judy joins us now live. And Nikki, what did you see in Alonza when you were there on Saturday? Do you know what, guys? I just saw a lot of um, devastation and a lot of destruction. I'm talking about, like, big Ford, you know, F-150 trucks thrusted into the beach, thrusted into the water, rooftops ripped from homes, homes just ripped from their foundations, lots of camper trailers flipped upside down, and a lot of trees, you know, snapped in half, broken. And, you know, I know that the Reeve, uh, we've been playing clips from the Reeve all morning, and he was telling me that as well. You know, there's about seven or eight hydro poles that were ripped, unearthed, and they were flung somewhere, and they haven't even been able to find them. So that's the concern is they kind of feel like there might be a lot of debris in the water right now. Uh, Nikki, uh, Jack Furry, 77, retired teacher. Uh, He worked in Sandy Bay, First Nation. Uh, He is the gentleman who lost his life. Uh, Lots of people must be remembering uh, Jack uh, while you were in Alonza. 
Yes, actually, the Reeve himself, you know, he was part of his wedding party and the Reeve called him, you know, just a good community guy. Um, we were, when we were talking to people in the area about, you know, um, Mr. Furry, um, they were just really saddened to hear that because everyone said that he was just such a nice community guy. And, you know, he taught some of the people in that area and he's just been around for a really long time and they really kind of respected him and they, they called it a really great loss. So we've been talking as well this morning about the the lack of cell service or the, the dropping cell service in the area. Alonza has been having some problems for a few weeks. What did uh, people have to say about that as you were discussing this with them? Well, as you guys are well aware, you know, we did this story exactly a month ago. You know, all of a sudden in June, that whole area became kind of a dead zone. And, you know, cottage owners and residents had no idea why. And when this disaster struck, this was their ultimate fear. This is what people in that area feared, that something would happen and they wouldn't be able to contact people. And I spoke with a family who were on the beach and they had people 15 kilometers away trying to contact them, trying to warn them to get off the beach, to get to a basement, to to be safe, essentially. And they never got those messages. So people are, are pretty upset about that. And even just regular farmers, they say when they're in their fields, if something were to happen to them in the fields, they can't even contact anyone for help. Yeah, this is a, a story and a situation. As we're learning this morning, I've received at least one text message from a listener who said, you know what, this isn't uncommon in other parts of Manitoba, southwestern Manitoba, in particular close to the U.S. border, a lot of farmers complaining about the lack of cell service. He said he's from the Warren Steinbach area. He says that at best, at times, he has one bar of service. So this, I think, might be a bigger story than what we're realizing, Nikki. Well, what I can tell you is, you know, a month ago, uh, the people that we spoke to said they had up to like three, maybe even four bars of service, and now they're down to none. Maybe if they travel 10, 20 kilometers out, they can maybe get one. I can tell you that my phone never had service when I was there and neither did my camera operator's phone. So we did not have service at all while we were there. So the storm was initially rated an EF3. Environment Canada has since upgraded it to an EF4. What prompted them to make the upgrade? So the way that it works is what I've been told by Natalie Hazel, she's a warning prepared, um, preparedness meteorologist. What they do is once the tornado, once they get out to the scene and everything, they collect data, they interview people, they take photos, and they judge based on the destruction what category that tornado will fall under. And Hazel was saying that judging by the data they collected and the destruction of this tornado, that's why it was upgraded to an EF4. And that's because actual structures, like actual homes were ripped from their foundations. And what they look at when they when they check these things out is how that home was built. If it wasn't, you know, built very solid, then of course it might be more likely to kind of fly away in a tornado type situation. But these homes, some of them are very solid and their rooftops were ripped right off, ripped right out of the foundation. So that's why it was upgraded to an EF4. Hey, Nikki, for those that might be just kind of getting back at it, the, you know, after a long weekend and don't know the geography, before we let, before we let you go, where is Alonza exactly? So it's about, oh, 165 kilometers northwest of Winnipeg. So it took us, you know, uh, a good two, two and a bit hours to get out there. And um, so the area that was hit by the tornado is known as the RM of Alonza. So the tornado kind of started in the Alonza area and then headed northeast and it tore through the Silver Ridge and Margaret Bruce Beach area. All right, and Global News reporter Nikki Judy joining us live on CJOB. Nikki, thank you very much. 
Thanks for having me. The matter of the day of the week. It's been a devastating few days up in uh, north uh, west of the city of Winnipeg, just east of Riding Mountain National Park and the RM of Alonza. They are clearing up. Residents are the damage left by that devastating tornado that claimed the life of one man. Joining us live on 680 CJOB is the Reeve of the RM of Alonza, Stan Asham. Stan, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So what is the, the latest? What can you tell us uh, since you last spoke with CJOB over the weekend? Oh, let's see. I spent all day yesterday on the site uh, with the Premier, and we looked at everything. And some of the – there's volunteer groups coming in to help with the cleanup, but, you know, that, that ain't good enough. We need some professional help for the lake, for cleaning – like, we have no idea. There is garbage in that lake. There's trucks. There's campers. There's hydro poles. There's large round bales. Like, we don't, we need help there. We sure need help there. And then the fields, like out when the, in the hay fields that used to have bales in them, have twisted metal and scrap and, and, uh, it's it's just a big job. I I don't know. We're, we've got some volunteer groups coming in, and they are starting on some of the the farms and some of the far, the local farmer right there himself. He, him and his sons and their their family have been cleaning up their yard and and uh, on the beach. James Jimmy Bruce, uh, James Bruce. Uh, the manager there, the owner there, he's got his, he's cleaning up trees. And that's about all they can do right now is just just clean up the trees so they can get around. Stan you Asham. Know, Sorry to interrupt you, Stan. I wanted to reintroduce you to those that might be just tuning in. Stan Asham is the Reeve of the RM of Alonza joining us from that part of the province. And Stan, we have a meeting, uh, just to bring you behind the curtain a little bit, we have a meeting every morning uh, starts uh, just before 8.30 and that co- the conversation very quickly turned to, like, how do you clean up after something like this? We've been having discussion, how do you prepare for the eventuality of a tornado and what do you do in the event of it? The bigger question now for you folks is how do you clean up a lake that may have multiple vehicles in it, bales of hay, and who knows what other parts of what structure, structures in the lake, and then the farmer's fields. When are they going to be safe to work again? How do you yeah. ensure that, right? Well, uh, the fields I've been watching haven't been, uh, there have been hay fields, and that hay was all cut and and uh, baled up into large round bales, and most of those bales, one farmer there had, I think he had 150 bales in one field, and he's got 15 now. And there's two buildings right right close to the beach that there's no, no one knows where they are. Are they in the lake? Are they, you know, it it's bad. Uh, we, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what to do. Like cleaning up on, on, on the the mainland on on land you can see what you're doing 
you know, and groups can go out and walk a field, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet apart and pile up garbage and then have someone come along and pick that up. But that takes a lot, a lot of uh, people. And But that's one thing that we can gradually do. And, and hopefully, I was hoping we could get some military help in here, you know, because I know the year of the flood, we had no help here. And uh, I made various trips to Carmen in two weeks. I had two, two deaths there, a family and a wedding. And I used to go down uh, 23 there, and you'd see Army personnel all over. We'd see houses uh, diked six feet high. And never did I ever see any water between... Oakville and Carmen, you know, and it, <laughs> all these people were there, and I, I would, I, but I got to find out. We got to find out where to make the request and and how to go about it. That's our big thing. Stan Asham, Stan, I'm sorry we have to leave it there, but uh, thank you so much for joining us, and make sure you stay in touch with us as uh, your efforts to clean up continue. Okay. Okay. okay thank you. Meanwhile, have you ever wanted to get back to basics and pick up some of the skills maybe your grandma used when it comes to preserving foods or maybe sewing on buttons? Can uh, you sew on a button, Greg? I, uh, <laughs> you just you asked me that question, and I can remember being at my neighbor's table, dining room table. Jackie and I were on our way out for dinner, and I realized one of the buttons on my suit had come loose. We didn't even have a needle, never mind the thread, to put in the needle. We had to go knock on the neighbor's door, and my neighbor fixed my uh, fixed my suit for me. Well, hey! <laughs> I sat uselessly by watching her darn my suit. Well, hey, if you feel like you also are useless at this, there's an opportunity <laughs> to learn some of the traditional skills, and it's happening tomorrow at the St. Norbert Farmers Market for the Farmers Festival. So to tell us more about this, we're joined live on CJOB by Marilyn Firth, Executive Director of the St. Norbert Farmers Market. Marilyn, good morning to you. Good morning. So I'm just looking at the lineup here, and and one of the first things that I see, Station 1, Farmers Festival 2018, and 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. tomorrow, wood turning. What is wood turning? Well, it's actually, I find it really fascinating. So we have the, uh, the, wood, the Manitoba Wood Turners Association is coming, and they have all this fairly awesome equipment. And it's really taking uh, wood and, and doing design work in it. And so they're really, really good at it. And they make beautiful bowls and spindles and all kinds of things. Uh, and they're going to be there all day, to, all day tomorrow uh, showing people how that all works. You know, my grandfather was a master carpenter, <laughs> Marilyn, and so he would help me make everything, and I, I learned a lot of stuff from him. And I still I have some of his tools in my garage, but uh, certainly just a small fraction of them. And yesterday I was doing a home renovation project and realized it didn't have the right tool. And I went across the street to my neighbor. See, I depend on my neighbors a lot for things, <laughs> and he had all the right tools. And I was so jealous. And and you know when we think about the ability to do these different sorts of uh, work and to be self-sufficient. So much of it is in the tools. 
Well, that's right. And I think that, you know, these are the things we're doing at the market tomorrow. It's at 11 to 4 p.m. tomorrow. And we have almost 50 different demos showing you how to do things that you wish you knew how to do, but just don't quite know how to do. And the nice thing, of course, is that you'll also learn what tools you need to do those kinds of things. And so we'll have demos all day long about things like, you know, how to spin wool, how to break down a chicken. Like people don't really know how to buy a whole chicken and then cut it into different meals. Um, how to fillet a fish, which I actually am going to go to that one. <laughs> I don't know how to fillet a fish. <laughs> um, you know, all about bees and honey, how to make sourdough bread, how to make soap. So these are all things people find really interesting, and they just don't know where to start. So we're, we're just going to try and help them out. Well, a lot of this stuff sounds really cool and really practical, but here's another one that it sounds cool. I'm not sure about the practicality, but maybe <laughs> there's, a, there's a modern take on this. Chain mail skills? Well, yeah, <laughs> that one's maybe not like a real necessity or anything, unless you lived a long time ago. But uh, but it is a really cool skill. And we have a young man, and he's very good at making chainmail. So uh, he offered to come out and, and do some uh, some demos. And these demos are all free, so there's no cost or anything. You can just come and, and crowd around, and people will show you how to do this stuff. Uh, so, yeah, that one's, a, <laughs> that one's kind of a funny one, but we like it. <laughs> well, I like it, too. Chainmail. I'd, I'd like to know how to make chainmail. What is this? We yeah, had this discussion. Chainmail? <laughs> that's, that's not that kind of linky sort of clothing? Yeah, it's stuff that the knights would wear. Oh, yeah. Underneath their uh, their armor in case they're pierced by a sword. Capital. It's, kind of the next, uh, it's the next step after the sewing out of the button. So, you know, now that you know how to sew a button. <laughs> <laughs> Make your own warfare wear. I like it. Hey, uh, capital K cocktail classes. See, this is, this is highly practical also. I like this. This one's very practical. I think we all need to know how to make a cocktail. So, yeah, um, they're actually a new vendor with us, and it's only recently that Manitoba Liquor has uh, allowed people to come in and sell products like alcohol at farmer's markets. And so uh, they're new to uh, to us, and they, they actually uh, distill their own gin and vodka, and they're going to show you how to make a perfect cocktail. Well, and actually, I've just recently taught myself how to make a Caesar because of their dill pickle vodka, capital K. Oh, it, yes. Have, it's you, good, have eh? you tried it? I have. I really like it. Yeah, it is delicious. So it's awesome that they're involved. They make really good stuff. Um, looking at the other things here, this is interesting. So sourdough, depending where it's from, it tastes different? Well, that's right. And actually, this is something I didn't know until just recently. I was talking to our baker at the market. And um, apparently, like it's sourdough is all about gathering. It, it takes bacteria, bacteria from the air to create that sourness in, in the bread. And so she said that like if you're in Italy, it's different than when you're in Manitoba and then when you're in um, I don't know, Iceland, because because the, the bacteria in the air is a little bit different and it interacts with the dough in a different way. And so it tastes a little bit different everywhere you live. So in Manitoba has its own unique um, sourdough tasting bread. So by having this on a Wednesday during the summer, are you hoping it's going to uh, bring out the people who are serious about doing this or just curious about the decision to have it on a Wednesday versus on a weekend, Marilyn? Well, we have a Wednesday market all summer long. And so because our Saturday market is so busy, it felt like it would be really hard to kind of squeeze all these activities into a Saturday market. Mm -hmm. But we do have a Wednesday market and it runs right from May right through the end of September. And so this is a great opportunity for people to come out, you know, learn these skills. A lot of people are off in the daytime during the summer and also discover a little bit more about our Wednesday market. There's something here at Station 9, which is on from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Backyard rocket stoves. 
<laughs> What's a, what is a backyard rocket stove? Well, a rocket stove is just a little stove that uh, creates very intense heat, and it's often used in places where um, people might not have a stove inside their home and they want to cook something outside. So not very common here in North America where we all have stoves in our home, but in some places where people you know, um, don't have stoves in their home, it gives them a, a little stove that they can use that instead of having you know, like stuff burning with wood inside their, their space or whatever, they would have it outside. So I actually don't know a whole lot about that one either, but I'm excited to go to that one as well just to see what it all looks like well yeah and i'm just i just googled backyard rocket stove and i see there's a video here on youtube how to build a better brick rocket stove for 10 bucks so i guess this is something that this is something it sounds cool but it is something that maybe you could turn around and do at home provided you know you're safe and all that kind of stuff absolutely yeah absolutely and i'm sure they're going to give you some good hints on how to make sure you know you do everything safely and that's of course you know the goal that people learn how to do things and do them properly as well Marilyn Firth is Executive Director of the St. Norbert Farmers Market. Their Wednesday market goes tomorrow. This added bonus Farmers Festival, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Where can folks get uh, information online, Marilyn? They can go to stnorbertfarmersmarket.ca and just click on events, and there's a Farmers Festival 2018, and it will give you the whole schedule. You can print a schedule if you want uh, and descriptions of each of the demos. Well, we love visiting with you, Marilyn. Uh, come and visit us in studio one of these days. Uh, you've got uh, uh, such a tremendous amount of energy, and your sense of humor always makes us uh, giggle as well. So uh, we'd love to uh, have you in the studio face-to-face one of these mornings. All right. We'll do that next time. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.